Chapter Six of Vietnam: The Advisory Years to 1965 by Robert Fitrell and Martin Blumenson. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter Six, Part Three: The Kennedy Years: Initial Challenges and Actions. President Kennedy took office two weeks after Premier Khrushchev announced Soviet support for what he termed wars of national liberation. These were neither the nuclear exchanges that had preoccupied American military thinkers, nor limited wars like Korea. Rather, a war of national liberation consisted of subversion and guerrilla actions at a level far below that likely to trigger nuclear retaliation. Such a war could, nevertheless, erode the will and power of the target state until it was helpless. The President tried to determine the real import of the Khrushchev doctrine and the exact nature of the communist threat to Southeast Asia. Realizing that the United States had few troops specially trained and equipped for counterinsurgency warfare, he directed Secretary of Defense Robert S. McNamara on February 1, 1961, to increase them. On March 28, Kennedy asked the Congress to give him the means to deal with small, externally supported bands of men. Pointing to non-nuclear, limited, guerrilla warfare as the most constant threat to free world security since 1945, the President wanted to be able to respond to this kind of aggression with non-nuclear weapons and to help train local forces to be equally effective against their enemies. The main burden of defense against overt attack, subversion, and guerrilla warfare had to rest on local populations and their military forces. Still, the United States needed strong and highly mobile units ready to combat the so-called lesser forms of conflict. Pursuing this aim in June, President Kennedy specified that the Joint Chiefs' responsibility for the defense of the nation in the Cold War was similar to that which they have in conventional hostilities. Air Force officials assumed that the new technique was to rank in importance with preparation for conventional warfare. This belief seemed justified in July, when the President transferred from the Central Intelligence Agency to the Department of Defense the responsibility for preparing and mounting large paramilitary operations, wholly or partially covert, requiring many militarily trained personnel and the type of equipment or military experience peculiar to the armed forces. Spurring these actions was the worsening situation in Laos. Fighting there between the government forces and the pro-communist Patet Lao intensified. Both sides had outside support, alternating victories and defeats, and several coup d'etat had taken place. American concern centered not only on Laos, but on the possible adverse consequences in Vietnam. During the first two months of his administration, President Kennedy probably spent more time on Laos than on anything else. Events in Cuba, climaxing at the Bay of Pigs in April, shaped the president's thinking. Urged to at least commit U.S. air power in Laos, Kennedy replied, I just don't think we ought to be involved in Laos, particularly where we might find ourselves fighting millions of Chinese troops in the jungles. 
in any event i don't see how we can make any move in laos which is five thousand miles away if we don't make a move in cuba which is only ninety miles away the soviets had called on april fourth for a ceasefire in laos and an international conference to resolve the problems the joint chiefs were troubled diplomatic negotiations would probably result in a neutralized laos perhaps eventually a communist laos because sito had failed to curb the obvious aggression there laos behind the iron curtain would expose thailand and south vietnam to further communist infiltration most of the twelve thousand Viet Cong guerrillas in south vietnam had come through the laotian panhandle or the thinly populated northeastern corner of cambodia so serious did affairs appear that kennedy on april twentieth changed the advisory military body in laos to a military assistance advisory group he ordered the mag members to put on their uniforms and work closely with the demoralized laotian troops at camp courtney okinawa joint task force one sixteen it and its air component redesignated sito field forces readied for action open u s commitment in laos looked imminent until great britain joined the soviet union on the twenty fourth in appealing for a ceasefire and an international conference in geneva the conference opened in geneva in may a time when retired general of the army douglas macarthur advised president kennedy against putting american ground forces on the mainland of asia if the united states intervened in southeast asia he said it must be ready to use nuclear weapons to meet a chinese entry into the conflict the joint chiefs of staff categorically informed defense secretary mcnamara that any intervention with united states forces in laos either unilaterally or under sito auspices should be taken only after firm u s governmental decision to the effect that the united states is thereby prepared and committed to succeed in its military intervention regardless of the extent of possible consequent communist escalation this is an unequivocal position which is fundamental to united states military actions to secretary mcnamara it seemed clear that the united states must soon decide whether or not to stand up and fight yet according to army chief of staff general george h decker the united states could hardly hope to win a conventional war in southeast asia general decker suggested moving american troops into thailand and south vietnam to see if that would produce a ceasefire in laos but if the united states went into laos we should go in to win, and that means Hanoi, China, and maybe even using nuclear bombs. Lacking enthusiasm for a ground war in Laos, Decker said later that, This is the last place in the world I would like to see U.S. forces committed unless absolutely necessary. If it were only the Patet Lao that was involved, there would be no problem. But undoubtedly North Vietnamese would come in, and probably the Chinese communists and when they do, it is hard to predict where our commitment would stop. General Curtis E. LeMay, Air Force Chief of Staff, was dubious of U.S. policy on Laos, but he believed a ceasefire impossible without American military action. That meant nuclear weapons if the Chinese entered the conflict. 
general o'donnell at patcalf estimated that his air forces could prosecute a small war in laos with conventional weapons he envisioned an enlarged conflict including north vietnam or china as requiring a truly massive increase in u s ground and air forces president kennedy deferred sending u s troops into laos tried to salvage as much as possible from a cease-fire and offered reassurances to thailand and south vietnam the geneva negotiations produced no solutions but at a summit meeting in vienna on june fourth khrushchev agreed with kennedy's proposal we all get out of laos and have a neutral and independent laos under a government chosen by the laotians but as late as april nineteen sixty two the state department would find it very hard to prophesy what is going to happen in laos part of the difficulties in dealing with a possible use of force general lemay believed was due to president kennedy's procedural habits and tendencies the president seemed to depend on ad hoc committees in lieu of the joint chiefs leading to vetoes stalling lengthy discussions and too many people in the act and making decisions in areas where they weren't competent this approach to policy lemay believed failed to recognize that going to war is a very serious business and once you make that decision that you're going to do that then you ought to be prepared to do just that general lemay's uneasiness with president kennedy's methods came at a time when other international crises clamored for attention the soviets were again threatening allied rights of access to west berlin so kennedy requested and the congress authorized the call to active duty of more than a hundred and forty thousand seven hundred army navy marine corps and air force personnel included were thirty-six squadrons and twenty-six thousand five hundred seventy-five members of the air national guard and the air force reserve on september first the soviet union broke the nuclear test moratorium of several years by exploding megatonic nuclear bombs in the atmosphere the president instructed defense secretary mcnamara to resume american nuclear tests though laos overshadowed south vietnam in sea affairs during the first months of president kennedy's administration the fates of the two countries were intertwined soon after taking office the president considered plans to combat the insurgency in vietnam he agreed to enlarge the republic of vietnam armed forces by twenty thousand men and to expand military training for the civil guard in february he directed ambassador durbrow to secure president diem's cooperation on these and other matters in november nineteen sixty president eisenhower had strengthened the role of american ambassadors in all countries each had affirmative responsibility for all u s activities including military assistance the ambassador was to be informed on all that took place and to report promptly to the president whenever necessary in may nineteen sixty one president kennedy reiterated this instruction however he exempted american military forces in the field from the ambassador's direct authority they were responsible through military channels in southeast asia sinkpak an area commander reported to the joint chiefs of staff the secretary of defense and the president while the ambassador was outside this line he was the chief of mission 
he worked hand in glove with the military commander in the mutual exchange of information the coordination of programs and the formulation of policy in early nineteen sixty one six vietnamese air force squadrons were combat ready one eighty six fighter two c forty seven transport two l nineteen liaison and one h nineteen helicopter the fighter unit by march had upped its monthly sortie rate two hundred per cent from forty to one hundred and twenty the army of the republic of vietnam comprised seven infantry divisions one airborne group and nineteen separate battalions their limited combat readiness reflected inexperienced leadership above the battalion level inadequate logistical and technical service development and other deficiencies of an organizational nature the enduring need to divert troops to internal security missions interrupted training complementing the army were several paramilitary forces the sixty-eight thousand men of the civil guard later called regional forces had been organized in nineteen fifty five and were controlled by the province chiefs since october nineteen sixty under the ministry of defense the civil guard could neither arrest nor investigate members had the mission of patrolling the self-defense force of forty thousand men constituted a full-time home guard defending its members villages and it was under the district chiefs the united states moved quickly in nineteen sixty one to arm and train these two forces so as to free the army from static defense missions against these forces and the general population the viet cong had redoubled their campaign of terror during the first part of nineteen sixty one perhaps to disrupt presidential elections scheduled for april ninth the number of viet cong in south vietnam swelled to around fourteen thousand by march the north vietnamese army units in southern laos seemed strong enough to push across the border and set up a popular government in the central highlands if this took place the sino-soviet bloc might pursue the technique used in laos recognized the shadow regime as the legitimate government of south vietnam and furnish assistance but what impressed president kennedy above all were the assassinations sustained by north vietnam well-disciplined viet cong guerrillas in nineteen sixty had killed over four thousand civil officers two thousand state employees and two thousand police in south vietnam the elections in april were reasonably orderly and president diem received an overwhelming vote with diem's position as head of state thereby confirmed and apparently secure president kennedy sent chairman of the joint chiefs of staff general lemnitzer and under secretary of state w averill harriman to saigon to support ambassador dubrow who was pressing diem to make certain reforms calling on diem they urged him in particular to form a military field command and a central intelligence organization inasmuch as these creations might nurture potential political rivals diem found the decision hard to make he did agree to try to upgrade the paramilitary forces get better intelligence start a junk navy to stop enemy infiltration by sea establish internal security councils decentralize his government and undertake fiscal reforms afterwards 
diem reactivated the national internal security council founded a national intelligence agency and appointed a commander of the army field forces who was to work closely with general magar the mag chief on counterinsurgency abolishing the military regional headquarters diem divided the country into three tactical zones and had a special tactical zone for saigon the capital the commanders were responsible to the army field forces commander and they were to conduct all anti-guerrilla military operations the tactical zones could be further segmented into sub-zones coinciding for the most part with provincial boundaries in them the military chief might also be a provincial chief and therefore would be in both civil and military chains of command on april twentieth nineteen sixty one in washington one day after the bay of pigs invasion of cuba collapsed president kennedy asked deputy secretary of defense roswell l gilpatrick to draw up a comprehensive program it was to cover military social and political actions and be tailored to prevent a communist takeover in south vietnam the deputy defense secretary swiftly organized an interagency committee and wrote a first draft plan in about a week his preface set the tone of the paper come what may the u s intends to win this battle gilpatrick's military recommendations apparently aimed to hearten national policy after the bay of pigs and to affirm explicitly american resolve to pay the cost of commitments in southeast asia the recommendations included the installation of radar surveillance in south vietnam which would involve the u s air force increasing the mag so that it could train and support twenty thousand more vietnamese soldiers thus building up the army to one hundred and seventy thousand supplying arms and training to the paramilitary forces and furnishing equipment for a small naval force at a national security council meeting on the twenty ninth kennedy approved several measures establishing a combat development and test center in vietnam expanding civic action and economic development programs augmenting the six hundred and eighty five man mag by approximately one hundred advisers and adding to the military assistance program for f y nineteen sixty one a heavy radar facility to be sited near da nang to observe and report soviet flights across the laotian border meeting on may fourth with senator j william fulbright chairman of the foreign relations committee kennedy discussed the possibility of sending u s combat forces into south vietnam probably as a result of this talk the president told newsmen the next day that u s intervention would be inappropriate without prior discussions with vietnamese leaders the air force plans division informed general lemay that the president's statement was the first example of the type of overall plan that the air force has advocated for some time the division advised strong support by may tenth however the plans division was opposing premature commitment of u s forces to south vietnam because it might reduce pressure on vietnam for initiative and forceful action provoke the chinese communists into intervening and have a bad effect on american allies in contrast j c s chairman general lemnitzer felt a sense of urgency he frequently spoke of the possible loss of vietnam 
termed the military threat extremely serious and deplored the tendency of the u s government to waste time in quibbling over policy at secretary mcnamara's request to consider the commitment of american forces the joint chiefs on may tenth favored an immediate deployment to provide a visible and significant deterrent to north vietnamese and chinese intervention they believed it would release vietnamese armed forces from static missions and enable active counterinsurgency operations help train vietnamese forces be a nucleus for a u s build-up in the case of allied cedo operations and show the firm intent of american policy in southeast asia the JCS leaned toward dispatching two reinforced infantry battalions to the Central Highlands to set up and operate two division training centers for the Vietnamese Army. Having U.S. combat forces in the country was bound to bolster Vietnamese morale. Asked to estimate U.S. force requirements, Admiral Felt, Sinkpak, discussed the matter with his component commanders on May 11th to general o'donnell south vietnam was so deficient in airfields and ground facilities that only a few turnaround b-57s and f-102s could operate from tan son Yut for short periods admiral felt recommended the dispatch to vietnam of one army infantry division with supporting troops eight b-57s for border surveillance close support and anti-viet cong operations four F-102s for air defense, and possibly two or three jet reconnaissance aircraft. If American forces were committed, Felt suggested that the MAG chief be designated commander, United States Forces, Vietnam, and charged with control, under SYNCPAC direction, of all U.S. forces there. By then, President Kennedy had decided against an open and substantial commitment of conventional U.S. combat troops. On May 11th, he directed the Office of the Secretary of Defense, OSD, and the Joint Chiefs to continue studying potential U.S. task force structures for Vietnam and to assess the value and the cost of increasing the Vietnamese armed forces from 170,000 to 200,000 men. These actions were to signify an intensified endeavor to win the struggle against communism and to further the social and economic advance of Vietnam, in cooperation with President Diem. The rationale, provided by the National Security Council, was to prevent communist domination in South Vietnam, to create in that country a viable and increasingly democratic society, and to initiate on an accelerated basis a series of mutually supporting actions of a military, political, economic, psychological, and covert character designed to achieve this objective on the same day the president committed an army special forces group of four hundred men to vietnam its task was to organize the tribal area development program to clear and hold certain Viet Cong controlled areas mainly along the land border this was the beginning of the civilian irregular defense group initially supervised by the central intelligence agency raising training leading and supporting irregular forces would hardly be possible without airlift medical evacuation and close air support the air force would soon be involved also on may eleventh the president sent vice president lyndon b johnson to saigon to demonstrate continuing u s support for diem 
johnson's visit was designed to strengthen diem's position at home to make him feel safe enough to delegate power to subordinates chiefly to a functioning field force command to encourage accelerated vietnamese and american actions and to give diem confidence in the united states johnson carried a letter from kennedy promising more u s assistance if diem promoted the economic and political development of his country johnson and diem discussed the question of committing u s forces to south vietnam and johnson had the impression that asian leaders at this time do not want american troops involved in southeast asia other than on training missions the embassy confirmed this point of view diem would welcome american combat forces solely in the case of overt aggression when johnson asked diem what he thought his country's military needs were diem said he would give a detailed answer later he observed dryly that the vietnamese were not accustomed to being asked for our own views on our needs a communique issued on may thirteenth at the conclusion of their talks made no mention of committing u s forces upon his return to washington the vice president said he saw no need for american troops in vietnam except to help the vietnamese train their forces the nations of southeast asia had to make decided efforts with stronger american support to develop their economic and political systems and to provide for their own defense he passed on diem's concern that the communists would employ the same strategy they had used in laos infiltration aerial resupply and establishment of a recognizable government any help johnson said economic as well as military we give less developed nations to secure and maintain their freedom must be part of a mutual effort these nations cannot be saved by the united states alone to the extent the southeast asian nations are prepared to take the necessary measures to make our assistance effective we can be and must be unstinting in our assistance deputy defense secretary gilpatrick's committee on vietnam consisted of members of the state and defense departments on may nineteenth it proposed these objectives for american forces that might be deployed to vietnam deter the north vietnamese and chinese release vietnamese forces for fuller use in operations train local troops form a nucleus for future u s build-up and demonstrate american firmness the committee favored the founding of two training centers each to be run by a reinforced u s infantry battalion and the sending of minimal air and naval forces to stop infiltration and act against the insurgents the army urged deploying an infantry division plus special forces the air force was reluctant to place combat units in a country where the major threat appeared to be insurgency and where the vietnamese air force could afford the limited air support required by that threat hoping to help the people of south vietnam help themselves president kennedy sent to admiral felt and to ambassador frederick e nolting jr who had replaced Dubrow, thirty separate actions he wished carried out the program encompassed political activities to buttress diem's confidence in the united states to heighten his popular support at home and to improve vietnam's relations with its neighbors chiefly cambodia economic measures to let vietnam support larger military forces 
and military proposals including the installation of a radar surveillance system a twenty thousand man expansion of the vietnamese armed forces more support for the civil guard and self-defense corps and an augmented mag the president also desired a stop to infiltration into south vietnam and a facility to test new techniques against insurgency diem issued decrees to carry out the counterinsurgency measures proposed by the americans but the extent of his implementation was far from clear he went on using command and intelligence agencies for political ends mostly to maintain a balance among several local vietnamese factions and their senior officers of the armed forces competing for favor and power it soon became evident to americans that the threat to vietnam was more severe than had been suspected at the summit in vienna early in june nineteen sixty one kennedy found khrushchev willing to accept a neutralization of laos but not of vietnam reflecting upon this refusal secretary of state dean rusk later suggested that the united states should have said quite simply you can't have south vietnam perhaps that would have prevented misunderstanding within the communist world of the american position on southeast asia although the joint chiefs and the sink pack advocated deploying u s forces for combat in south vietnam to counter the viet cong the president put faith in his program of helping the vietnamese yet there were warnings in june nineteen sixty one that the prospects for stability and progress were not too bright due to intensified communist warfare and a lack of real popular support for diem's government in that month president diem asked the united states to support a vietnamese army of two hundred and seventy thousand one airborne and fourteen infantry divisions an expanded mag to operate training centers he said would serve the dual purpose of providing an expression of the united states determination to halt the tide of communist aggression and of preparing our forces in the minimum of time in response the joint chiefs on june twenty first recommended building the vietnamese armed forces to two hundred thousand men and adding two division equivalents including necessary navy and air force augmentation gilpatrick counseled deferral of this action until the earlier twenty thousand man increase had been assimilated to see if the south vietnamese economy could sustain enlarged military forces kennedy sent a financial survey group headed by dr eugene staley to saigon reporting in july staley favored further aid for vietnam but warned against expecting military operations to achieve lasting results without economic progress a free society and a self-sustaining economy in vietnam gave the best basis of hope for the future military planners in washington came to the same conclusion in july and august nineteen sixty one adding to the vietnamese armed forces or deploying two reinforced american battalions would hardly solve the problems preventing the communist domination of south vietnam had to come through a series of mutually supporting political military economic psychological and covert actions cool to diem's request for more soldiers the joint chiefs of staff on august third decided that a nine division force of two hundred thousand vietnamese was sufficient they thought priority should go to training the twenty thousand men increase 
the civil guard and the self-defense corps as well as to retraining existing forces on august eleventh president kennedy approved u s support for a vietnamese military establishment of two hundred thousand men as secretary of defense mcnamara told his principal subordinates a week later internal security was the first priority although military operations would give no lasting results without continued and accelerated economic and social progress but in september the viet cong intensified the conflict occupying towns cutting roads slowing the flow of rice to market and impeding other commercial traffic they also assassinated about one thousand people each month mainly intermediate government officials although the vietnamese army had mauled several large guerrilla units in the mekong delta during june it was able to do so because the foe stood and fought in the open this was an ominous sign since the viet cong's strength in combat units was now an estimated thirteen thousand to fifteen thousand men the evaluation division of the air staff in washington felt that the communists are making a determined bid to take over that nation and perhaps all of southeast asia in the very near future infiltrators in nineteen fifty nine and nineteen sixty had been chiefly administrators propagandists and logisticians in nineteen sixty one combat soldiers mostly trained veterans of the war against france and many of them born in south vietnam arrived and formed main force battalions and combat support companies they had pushed south along two routes the primary one was a corridor along the border the other one hundred miles to the east was called ho chi minh trail by the americans a name they later gave the whole system these small determined men moved beneath the forest canopy brushed away their tracks when necessary preserved rigid march discipline and kept their movements secret they traveled in groups of several hundred an estimated sixty two hundred in nineteen sixty one thirteen thousand in nineteen sixty two their presence was mirrored in the rise of incidents involving the assassination of officials the destruction of government outposts and the eagerness of guerrillas to fight in the open there were forty-one reported battles in the country during august nineteen sixty one but four hundred and fifty in september a telling action took place on the eighteenth of september around fifteen hundred guerrillas overran phuc Vinh, the capital of phuc Thanh province they publicly beheaded the province chief held the town most of the day and left before the vietnamese troops arrived president diem was alarmed by the infiltrators streaming from north vietnam through laos and by the viet cong's ability to assemble large units to operate in battalions to use extensive radio command nets and to raid key provincial cities on september twenty ninth diem asked ambassador nolting for a bilateral defense treaty with the united states he pressed admiral felt Sinkpak, for a large increase in advisers of all types and for american tactical air squadrons to help break up big communist units massing for attack diem's apprehension colored his address before the national assembly on october second it is no longer a guerrilla war it is a war waged by an enemy who attacks us with regular units fully and heavily equipped 
and who seeks a strategic decision in southeast asia in conformity with the order of the communist international controlling infiltration into the country was virtually impossible south vietnam's land border stretched nine hundred miles along neighboring cambodia laos and north vietnam three-quarters of this distance consisted of rugged mountains the rest swamps and jungles portions of the frontier had never been precisely delineated mag suggested using helicopters to patrol the border but maintenance facilities were in short supply or entirely lacking surveillance by high-performance aircraft was hardly enough requesting sito forces to exercise border control would only place these units in a vulnerable position grossly complicate communications and logistical support and reduce but certainly not stop vietcong crossings the best technique came into being about the time of the laotian crisis in may the vietnamese set up patrol bases and primitive airfields along the border manned by regular army troops rangers civil guard companies and montagnard scouts these facilities were home for the roving patrols that located harassed and ambushed infiltrators the landing strips made air resupply by c-47s possible the ranger training center which had been moved from da nang to nha trang recruited and instructed montagnard scouts but the core of the system was the group of four hundred special forces troops committed by president kennedy they brought direction and substance to the border control program to fulfill president kennedy's desire for developing counterinsurgency methods defense secretary mcnamara directed the defense department's advanced research projects agency arpa to create a combat development and test center in vietnam when its functions appeared to overlap and conflict with the mags vietnamese and american officials agreed on june twenty ninth to locate a small center within the vietnamese armed forces headquarters in saigon to work with the joint general staff with direct channels to arpa and sinkpac the center served as a focal point for technical contract analysts dispatched to the country by arpa and by the director of defense research and engineering by the fifth of august the center was searching for a chemical agent to kill the tapioca plant a food source for gorillas probing the use of patrol dogs and considering the employment of chemical defoliants to deprive the Viet Cong of assembly and ambush areas installing surveillance radar to record soviet overflights in clandestine supply and intelligence missions as president kennedy wished was not easy the vietnamese armed forces were without aircraft control and warning at tan son yat their first radar squadron owned two light tps one d search radars and two tps ten d height finders this equipment was stored from nineteen fifty four to nineteen fifty eight then the vietnamese air force utilized it merely for training the first squadron had never actually controlled aircraft and many of its u.s trained technicians were assigned elsewhere often in unrelated jobs military assistance program funds covered the installation of two heavy combination fps twenty six radars at tan son yat and da nang but delivery was impossible before september nineteen sixty two 
to fill the gap and to speed refresher training of vietnamese technicians admiral felt requested and air force headquarters directed on september eleventh nineteen sixty one the deployment of a mobile combat reporting post to vietnam it came from the five hundred and seventh tactical control group at shaw air force base south carolina the combat reporting post comprised sixty-seven men plus mps eleven search and mps sixteen height finder radars this secret movement all identification markings on boxed equipment were painted out was airlifted to vietnam during september twenty sixth to october third the installation started operating at tan son Nhat on the fifth of october and eventually received three hundred and fourteen more usaf personnel a center was organized to control and report flights, and training of Vietnamese technicians commenced. As the first USAF unit to arrive in Vietnam on permanent duty status, the combat reporting post formed the nucleus of a tactical air control system. The personnel supervised construction of a tent city, met incoming aircraft, and in general eased the arrival of other officers and airmen ordered to Vietnam they began a radar capability to support interceptor and other combat activities in the event that u s or other allied forces must at some point be deployed to the country in an emergency other usaf resources soon arrived to bolster photo reconnaissance a single rt-33 had reconnoitered laos until may nineteen sixty one but the United States suspended the mission to respect the ceasefire and the Geneva Conference on Laos. The flights resumed on October 4th. Shortly after, the Saigon government asked for more photo reconnaissance to assist intelligence gathering. Fifth Air Force was ordered to move a detachment of its 15th Tactical Reconnaissance Squadron from Okinawa to Saigon. The detachment got to Tan Son Yut on the morning of October 18th, just after the Mekong River had overflowed its banks. The severe flooding spread to the greater part of three Delta provinces, left 320,000 people homeless, and destroyed 1,000 kilometers of roads and 10 million acres of crops. The four RF-101 aircraft, six flight crews, a photo processing unit, and support personnel were all known as pipe stem. Flights got underway on October 20th, photographing the Mekong floods as well as areas controlled by the Viet Cong. During a month of operations, pipe stem flew 67 photo sorties within the country, along the border, and onto the Capone area of Laos. Another detachment of four 5th Air Force RF-101s, flight crews, photo processing unit, and support personnel reached Don Wang, Thailand, on September 6th. Nicknamed Abel Mabel, it took over the reconnaissance missions on the 10th, leaving the RT-33 to transport film to a processing center at Tan Son Yut or Clark. Filling the needs of the mags in Laos and Vietnam, the first flights were mostly over Laos but before long the pilots were flying 75% of their sorties over South Vietnam. Despite the build-up of American assistance, signs in Vietnam were mixed. President Diem had formed a central intelligence organization, was improving the Civil Guard, was adding 20,000 men to the Army, and had created a Ranger force. 
american advisers were working down to company level and small helicopter-borne quick reaction units were being organized yet diem's national internal security council did a poor job of supervising the execution of military political and economic measures military units had scant time for rest and retraining province chiefs paid slight attention to the chain of command vietnamese forces diverted aircraft from troop lift to administrative purposes perhaps most disheartening several vietnamese military leaders asked u s officials what american reaction might be to a coup d'etat against president diem inefficiency abounded a typical example took place in autumn nineteen sixty one several vietnamese eighty sixes got orders to strike viet cong troops gathered on the binh hoa side of a river dividing that province from phuc tam by the time the fighters came the guerrillas had crossed the river while the planes orbited for three hours the phuc tam province chief could not be found to approve the strike the vietnamese air force was rated combat ready plans to expand it gained military assistance program backing for second fighter and helicopter squadrons one photo reconnaissance unit and a third l nineteen liaison squadron even though the geneva accords forbade introducing jet aircraft into the country there was some talk in american circles during nineteen sixty one of giving the vietnamese surplus f eighty six jets this it was said would merely match the many communist violations since nineteen fifty four the joint chiefs of staff frankly suggested that t r t thirty three jets be delivered to the vietnamese for reconnaissance even a few jet planes would impel the vietnamese to expand and upgrade ground facilities extremely valuable actions in light of possible future commitment of u s air units admiral felt Sinkpak, favored turning over several photojets to the vietnamese the u s a f planners in washington warned immediate and serious degradation in the military effectiveness of the vietnamese could result from the absence of jets the state department stood solidly against the idea and in october ambassador nolting stopped trying to equip the vietnamese with jet planes Secretary McNamara told the Navy to send 30 piston-engine T-28 fighters to Saigon. The Air Force handled the transportation of these aircraft from the West Coast to Vietnam. The first 15 were in place by mid-December. All this was, in retrospect at least, a prelude to two decisions made by President Kennedy on October 11, 1961. The president perused Diem's address of October 2nd to the National Assembly that termed hostilities in Vietnam as changed and extremely serious. He also noted the stream of threat and vituperation flowing from Hanoi. Then Kennedy, on the morning of the 11th, ordered a USAF combat detachment to Vietnam. In the afternoon, he sent his military advisor, General Maxwell D. Taylor, to Saigon, to find out how best to help the DM government. End of chapter 6